Hello and welcome to the Double Pivot, the world's most agreeable soccer analytics podcast. I am Michael Cayley. We are back and the soccer is going to start happening again very soon. The World Cup is kicking off in Australia and New Zealand, and we have some very exciting plans for the World Cup. So I'm joined by Mike Goodman. You want to tell the people about the plans? All right, let's do it. The music you heard of the way is the Whalers. Please download, subscribe, make us happy as podcasters. Patreon.com slash double pivot. We've got a Discord. You might notice in that Discord, we have a Woso channel. And if you are a regular in the Woso channel, you might know that our double pivot women's soccer correspondent, Ariel Drawer, is also in that channel. And she is here with us today. And not only is she here with us today, she will be taking the reins of this podcast for the Women's World Cup, bringing you all coverage. And I'm not even done being exciting here. Live from Australia and New Zealand. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited. And right now, I don't know what time it is. But hopefully by the time these episodes start, I will have um, an idea of time and space. Well, the exciting thing is that when you start these episodes, you will hopefully be settling in. But our listeners in especially the U.S., but probably Europe as well, are going to be losing track of when time is attempting to watch the matches. So we'll all sort of come together somehow. Yeah, we'll figure it out. I I will say that was like the main impetus for deciding to go. I remember staying up for the Olympics and how um, horrible that was and... I yeah I have some flexibility so I was like I would prefer to maybe have a normal sleep schedule and so here I am in Sydney right now. So today we're gonna we're gonna preview the World Cup a little bit with Ariel and then she will have the reins for the women's side for the World Cup and I think one thing we want to say is that you you can find her on the Discord in the Woso channel or in the podcast discussion channel or wherever if you guys have questions um, she pledges to. Maybe answer them. <laughs> is, 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 yeah. is that about accurate? Yeah, that's a good level. I will read them. And if I think I can do them justice, I will um, I will cover them here. Um, we'll have hopefully a, a, a guest each episode. So hopefully they can help too. And, you know, possibly in good double pivot fashion, you can get to, you know, a whole two, maybe two and a half questions in an episode. Okay, so let's talk. World Cup. I guess the way we should maybe do this is be annoying Americans and start with the the U.S. women's national team and then broaden out to the field. Um, it's kind of an interesting team this 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 time around for the U.S. because while there are some names that everybody will recognize from past World Cups, there has been a lot of turnover for a number of reasons on this roster, and there are both. Established stars who are playing in their first World Cup, but also not established stars who who are on this team. So I guess maybe let's start with some of the names that maybe people won't know, but are obviously huge names and go from there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Sophia Smith is, Smith is the big one. If you've watched any women's soccer, you know, in the last two and a half, three years, um, she probably isn't an unfamiliar name. But for anyone who sort of just tunes in. Um, every four years, she's probably going to be one of the big breakout stars of, of this tournament. She's, uh, fast. She's, she's scary. Um, I don't know. She's just incredible and she's very young. The amount of what she can do at, at 22, you know, is, is, is kind of wild. And I think the US is going to be rather reliant on her, especially, um, with the injury to, to Mal Swanson, um, which was quite unfortunate. 
Um, and then some yeah. of the other sort of injury problems that continue to plague, uh, plague the team and honestly all the teams in the tournament for that matter. Um, I think she'll be, she'll be a, a really pivotal role, um, in the team and I'm excited to see her play. So Sophia Smith, Portland Thorns, reigning MVP of NWSL, <clears throat> can play as a nine, can play on the wing. Probably exactly where she plays is a little up in the air, depending on how this attacking core fits together. Yeah, it's really interesting. So, uh, you know, the coach has said this n- numerous times, and anyone who's watched NWSL, and even the national team for that matter, knows that um, most of the forwards on this team are, are pretty versatile. Um, so when they played their send-off match against Wales, um, when was that? I don't know. I was there a week ago. I don't know what time it is. Um, they were pretty fluid and they were switching positions throughout the game. Um, I think she started sort of on the right, one point moved to the left. She was playing the nine at one point. Um, and that was true for all the forwards, right? Um, even when they were, they were sort of rotating players in and out for the subs. So it's really unclear where she'll play. She's mostly been playing on the right, but, um, I think we're going to see a lot of fluidity, um, in this tournament, which is fun. Um, and it's definitely like, a fun problem to have, right? All the players can play like really well in all the positions in the front line. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Smith's numbers in NWSL are just stupid. Yeah, it's unreal. This, she's three three seasons in a row as a regular with the Thorns, averaging about six shots per ninety, and not doing it as a traditional center forward. Nope, playing doing a lot of ball receiving, ball progression, carrying from the wings and still getting those six shots per 90 is just wild. It, it's pretty bonkers. And according to goals added, which is ASA American soccer analysis, uh, possession value metric, she's like, um, you know, record, record seasons. Like we don't have any other seasons in the database that even touch the numbers that she's touching. And that's even <laughs> like in the Sam Kerr years, you know, where Sam Kerr was like that untouchable record. Like she is surpassing it. So not only can she get, she can score, she, she just creates values in so many ways. Um, and I'm really excited to see what she does on the, on the stage this summer. Interestingly, uh, out of all the attackers, the one who is not particularly fluid is the one that everybody, even the most casual fans, know in Alex Morgan. And I do think there's some question here. I feel like at every single World Cup, the American women have a question of, should this veteran play because they are a veteran or not? Four years ago, it was Carly Lloyd. Eight years ago, when Alex Morgan was sort of the young star, it was Abby Wambach. Um, and, and I guess my question is just, so should Alex Morgan play? That's a great question. You know, I was looking at the roster when it was announced, and to me what stuck out was that there's no other player with the sort of profile that she has um, on the field. A lot of the players that are in this forward pool are sort of these like dynamic, dribbly like dribbly boys, right? Like that's what a lot of them are. Um, Alex Morgan, you know, she can get in the box, get her head on it. Like she, she poaches ball. Like there's no other player really. I mean, Trinity Robin can kind of do it, but, and, and to some extent, Lynn Williams too, but no one really has that profile of just like being able to score, um, like from nothing. So I think she probably should start in a lot of games, right? Cause there's not another player like that, but. Yeah, we'll see what happens. When she played, when they played, um, Wales, she was almost like a non, like, there wasn't much to say. She, she played, I think, either 45 minutes or 60 minutes, and I don't think she had a single shot. She, she's also coming off, she's also coming off a couple of years in NWSL where her goal scoring numbers are quite good, but it is 
perhaps somewhat deceiving. Yeah. I, oh, I'm going to get in so much trouble when I talk about this. Every time I talk about this, I get <laughs> hammered on Twitter. Yeah. So she, she was the golden boot last year, but I think like a third of those goals maybe came from penalties. Um, but we'll yep. say like she's never had, but she did have a really good club season, right? For what it's worth. Like it, it wasn't like she wasn't helping the yes. team. She was clearly a pivotal role in the team. And honestly, San Diego doesn't look the same when she's not on the pitch. So she's really important. She's also never had like, a good club season and a good national team season at once that at least I can remember. Um, so she hasn't really had the best start uh, with San Diego. San Diego's also just largely not having, not having a great time. So hopefully this is like her time to shine and she'll help. She'll be able to help the team too. Um, but for me, like the bigger question about vets is sort of like the question about Pino's role. Right. Um, I think, when you ask this question about sort of the vets that make it onto the roster and what they should be doing, like, I think Pino really is that like sort of big question mark that other people have for me, like it was a non no brainer that she made the roster. Um, she, she's like the, if you can quantify clutchness, like she, which I don't know if you can, but she is actually like the definition of a clutch player. Right. So I understand why she made the roster. I mean, I think you can understand why she made the roster, but I think there's probably not a lot of argument for her to be starting or playing major minutes. I mean, she is she is there because she brings something valuable that nobody else can bring to the back end of the roster at this point. Yeah, I mean, I I still think she'll get some minutes off the bench, right? Like she, she'll probably play in every game, especially the big the big matches when they need to close it out. She, you know, she can score from set. She's like one of the few players I think on the team who like has a very consistent set piece, uh, like production rate. So like, that's pretty major, obviously, obviously can score penalties. She can take the sort of the heat from sort of the external factors, which I think is also probably why she made the roster. But I, I do think like she made the roster for a reason. I know people had some like strong feelings about it, but I think she deserves to be there. And I'm excited to see what she does in this like sort of twilight appearance, which is quite sad. Yeah, and she's been, she's, you know, just turned 38, and she's been shockingly productive for Seattle in NWSL with a fair number of sub-appearances. Like, it, it seems to me that she has, in, in many ways, aged into a role that fits this national team. Oh, for As, sure. you know, you know e- either, either li- limited starts, subs, and just, you know, the, the incredible passing range, progressive passing and set piece delivery that she still offers. Oh, absolutely. But like in spurts. Right. Yeah. She's never going to go full, like she's never going to play a full game again, but she definitely has this, um, yeah, this ability to come off the bench. I remember last year when we did our like goals added best 11 for NWSL, she just was under the minutes cap that we gave, but she was like up there with Sophia Smith and like most goals added, you know, so she's still highly, highly effective in the minutes that she, that she has. And it's wild. I remember eight years ago when she got hurt thinking like, this is a shame because this is the year that's supposed to be her world cup. And then four years later, she gets the, the golden ball. And eight years later, she's still like a valuable member of she's, the team. She's still going. It's really impressive. And I think she's like, and someone's only gotten better. So yeah, I hope she, she also has her moment. And so as we back through this team, we, we will get the other teams at some point, definitely. Um, I, th- I think the other question is that this is that, that someone who is not having her last World Cup is Becky Sauerbrunn. And the, the they they are sort of still it seems like figuring out the back of this team the back four and and and, and the dm position 
Yeah, I think this is like where a lot of the injuries come into play. I mean, the U.S. has really yep. like has not had like a f- f- really consistent lineup in the last year. Some of this was tinkering, and some of it was injury. Um, yeah, it seems like the, the the two center backs would be Alana Cook and Naomi Gurma. They're super young. Um, they have maybe one of them has maybe like four years of league experience, both at PSG and. And and then to be selling them, this is Naomi Gurma's second second year. Um, they've looked slightly shaky when when they've played together on the national team. So I'm sort of curious to see um, how it goes. I I remember at the Wales game. I mean, Wales was never like particularly threatening, but there was one or two like really um, sort of tough to, to watch moments where if it was a better team, it would have been disaster. So we'll see how that goes. Um, as for the fullbacks, it seems like Crystal Dunn will be one of them. I mean, obviously. And then to, and maybe Emily Fox will be the other. And they can theoretically play on either side. Like, Emily Fox plays left back, or usually plays left back, but has been playing right back for the national team. And then Crystal Dunn is obviously always mostly played left back for the U.S. So, unclear. Um, but those are probably going to be the two the two starting starting fullbacks. And then, yeah, I'm assuming Julie Ertz will start it defensive midfielder right um they i mean they brought her back just for this though i guess like if things go really terribly like she can always slot into center back too which and i'm sure that's like something that they've um you know talked about so it's it's a big question right i i don't think we've seen like a really consistent lineup Uh, i mean for that matter julius has only played been in like one and a half camps since she had her baby so like there's no there's no consistency right so it's really unclear I don't know that anybody doubts Julie Ertz's ability to be on the field for this team. I do kind of have questions about whether this version of Julie Ertz is a version that protects the back line as opposed to like, is sort of this, you know, exciting, rambunctious chaos agent, which is sort of that's what a, she's developed into over the course of her career. That's an incredible way to describe what it <laughs> has been like watching her. Though, like, that's, it's not a terrible thing, right? I think they could use a little bit of sort of like chaos destroyer in, in the midfield. Andy Sullivan is wonderful. And, but she, she's a very, very different six. And, and Lindsay Horan, when she was kind of playing six, is also like a, should not be like also a very different kind of six. So I think it's good that they have different profiles. I, I think as we move, I think this sort of naturally transitions us from defense up into midfield, which has tons of questions really. Um, and, you know, sort of starting from Ertz, my concerns are not about them beating bad teams, really. I think they have a handful of players that can play the six against bad teams. I think my question is, what happens when they play good teams and what does this midfield look like? Not only at the six, but is Rose Lavelle healthy enough to give them the creativity that, that they need from there? Are you going to see Ashley Sanchez as, you know, sort of as a 10 on top of this midfield or, or not? Like, because they may need more creativity. Like, just what this midfield looks like, I think, is a giant question. Yeah, I don't think we've ever had an answer, right? It's a little different every single game. Um, I, I think, like, the one indispensable that's been there the whole time is Lindsay Horan, obviously. Um, and I know that uh, Kim McCauley wrote this, like, really wonderful piece in The Athletic that everyone should read that sort of profiles, like, or, like, does a deep dive into, like, how her role has changed um, for the national team. I think it's wonderful. And if I could, I would just regurgitate it here because it, like, kind of just was, like, almost like it was pulled from my own brain. She does, like, so much work creating for her teammates. Um, 
I think she's like almost indispensable. And I know that's a kind of a hot take. Uh, but I think if you had something like tracking data and you were able to build a possession value model or some sort of like space model um, or like a f- pitch control model, like she would be the sort of the axis at which the team turns. Um, so she's she's like pretty indispensable. As for the 10, I guess it's unclear. Like if Rose Lavelle is healthy, obviously she's going to start. Um, I would also like plug Savannah DeMello as like a really awesome option. She... Has ne- she had her first cap at the send-off game. She's been absolutely tearing it up for racing. Um, I was over the moon that she got selected. And when she played her, she had like 30 minutes in the Wheels game. And obviously, you know, there's like some game state effects there. Like you can't really take a lot out of it. She p- played really well for her first cap. So I hope that she gets a moment to shine too. Obviously, Ashley Sanchez is a wonderful pick as well. But um, I'm really excited to see if Savannah DeMello gets minutes and, and sort of how she performs. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess when you look at Rose Lavelle making the squad when somebody like Becky Sauerbrunn didn't, as they're both recovering from injury, it probably gives you a little more information that maybe Rose is going to be playing. Yeah, it seems like it was maybe one of those situations where things were kind of shrouded in secrecy and we don't fully understand, but they keep on posting pictures of her on the socials, like basically be like, look, she's alive. Um, so. I'm assuming that they expect her to play, right? They wouldn't be doing that otherwise. Uh, but obviously, like, if she plays, she's, like, like her and she's, like, pretty indispensable, but in a very different way. Um, this team is, like, not the same without Rose Lavelle on it. So I, I really hope, like, both selfishly, because I like watching her play in person, but also, like, as someone who, like, like, she's so important to the team. Um, and, and although, like, Sanchez and, and DeMello have, like, these really wonderful creative qualities, no one, no one doesn't like Rose Lavelle. So, fingers crossed. Prayer circles, everyone. Like, give her all your ligaments. I don't know. Um, yeah, I hope she's okay. I'm not using my hamstrings very much. Yeah, I, I'm happy to get rid of all my outdoor activities I have planned for this trip and just give her, like, my ACL. It's fine. Yeah, so so how would you sort of, as we look over this this whole team, how would you sort of categorize the questions that you have? Like, are these questions about whether we're going to see the U.S., come in and be clearly the best team, whether we're going to see the U.S. come in and, like, struggle to find their best team? Like, where, where, where would you sort of lay out where you're, where you're, what your level of concerns are? I feel like I'm, like, the most optimistic person of the bunch. Everyone I talk to is like, it's going to be a disaster. Like, they haven't shown that they can do it. But I don't think that's true. Like, they played, you know, they played uh, England, Spain, and then Germany twice. They lost the two games in Europe, England. And this was, like, arguably their, their, their sort of their hardest challenge was, like, playing, you know, England, Spain, and then they lost again to Germany, then they won against Germany. And all those games were really close. Like, they really went down to, like, VAR, like, lack of VAR, weird refing decisions, or just, like, sort of, you know, just variants, which is really what tournament soccer is anyways. And then when they played in She Believes, they were also playing Japan and Canada and Brazil, who are, you know, when you list out those, like, what is that, six teams, that's, like, most of the top field. And they pretty handily beat Japan and... Brazilian Canada, right? So, and obviously those federation, those teams were going through some stuff at the time. So I'm like, I think they'll be fun. like, are they going to win? No one knows who's going to win. It's a, it's international soccer. <laughs> it's, it's, it's international soccer. You can never guess. Do I think they're going to be fine? Yeah. Like, and if not, I mean, it happens. I really hope they do well, but I really think that they'll be okay. I think everyone needs to like, just 
get gain a little perspective. And, and even in the games that they struggled in, like in these, like, you know, Ireland, they kind of struggled, but, you know, Ireland plays like a pretty physical, defensive block, like, they still played well and they were still clearly the better team, right? So they've been playing well. It just, I think they just need sort of the final pieces to to come together. And this is the longest time they've really had to be together. So I think it'll be okay. Yeah, I, I mean, one of the things, one of my takeaways as we were going through these sort of questions as we're looking at like, which great dribbler or great passer will the U.S. play in midfield? Like, the, the talent is still clearly there, and some of the young talent coming through is is pretty spectacular. So I'm excited to see this team. For sure. And some of those younger players had only had like a couple caps when they played those top teams. Like, you know, it's now been, what, nine months later, and they've played almost like, like I said, like seven of these top teams. I think it'll be really fun to watch, and I think it'll be okay. I will say... This is this is a very heavily analytics take here. I'm just I'm just going to warn you. I'm ready. The the swagger of the younger generation of players on this team is unbelievable. Oh, it's like, real. They're you know like, they're cocky. Yeah, it's great. It rules. It's so fun. Like Trinity Robin, she has no fear. Sorry to cut you off, but like it's awesome. Yeah, I mean that's exactly what I was going to say. There are generations of young players where you look at it and you're like, "Oh, these are going to be great players, but this is their first time out and I'm not really sure how that's going to affect them." And you look at this generation of players and like, I just I cannot describe how much that does not seem to be a concern to me. No, they seem like they're ready for their moment. I'm I'm really excited to see. And like, I think it's cool that this roster is actually like a lot of new people, e- even if they're not young, they're they are still like this new crop of players. Um, I think they said there's only nine returning players on the roster of 23. So, like, it's a pretty new roster. It's like a roster in transition. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm really excited to see how it goes. Okay. I think this is probably a good time to then transition into some of these other teams. And I think, I guess if we're going to consider some fan service here, other than America, England will be, is probably going to be our, you know, most heavily listened audience here. And if there was a team that was going to catch the United States on paper, coming into this World Cup, it would have been England. And then some unfortunate things happen, right? They're coming off the Euro win, but the team that's going to... We just talked about all the American injuries, but the team that's going to take the field here for England is incredibly different from the team from two years ago. Yeah, I know. We've complained about our injuries. I think England's, like, on a whole other level, right? Like, they lost players that are, like... It's, like, almost as if, like, all of our... Like, I can't even think of a... I don't want to speak into existence what a comparison would be. Uh... (laughs) Yeah, they, I mean, Brett Beth Mead, who, I don't know if she was the leading goal scorer, or I can't remember what, where she stood in the sort of goal scoring ranks um, at the Euros. She tore her ACL and isn't going to make it back in time. Um, Fran Kirby, one of the really creative players, also um, didn't make it. Millie Bright, their center back, she left at the end of the season injured, and she hasn't played since, though it seems like they think she'll be okay. Um, so, you know, all the lines have had issues. I'm missing other players. Like they, they have definitely had their share of injury woes. And I think it's showing in some of their friendly results. I think they said they haven't scored in a friendly in the last like three windows, maybe. Um, so that's a concern. Um, but I also think there's something to like really struggling in the lead up to the tournament and then everyone sort of sinks and like they figure it out. So I think it might be okay. They, if, you know, if the U.S. were to come, out on the top of their group, which honestly is, we didn't talk about their opponents, but as, you know, who knows what'll happen. And England comes on top of their group, they will be on opposite sides of the bracket, um, which I guess as an American is nice. Um, 
and I also think it would be a cool final. Um, yeah, they're they're really struggling just in a very different way from the U.S. Um, and I think there's questions about who even some of those players who are starting are going to be. I know Rachel Daly has previously played as a defender, uh, as a fullback, and um, she was the golden boot in the WSL this season. And a, I think they play, they've been trying to play her now as a forward. Someone told me she was listed on a forward with the roster. So it's really unclear, like, sort of how they're going to line up. And in the past, uh, the coach, Serena Viegman, has played the same – lineup throughout the whole tournament and i don't think people really know what that lineup is going to be not only the same lineup she made the same subs i believe she does like the same thing she's like yeah she she just does the same thing every time no matter like what the game state is which i think is fascinating and cool from a data perspective so the Rachel Daly thing is 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 interesting, and I think you are, you are right. She played at left back for the entire Euros, and then on off the back of the Euros, she went from Houston back to the WSL with I want to say Aston Villa. Yeah, Aston Villa, that? yep. that's correct. Yep, and and then she won the, the the Golden Boot, just like absolutely like a dominant scorer in a not very good team. Yeah, it was like a mid tier team. Yeah, and she has been playing now at striker, but that of course then means that like their defensive line has significant questions before you then get to all the other injuries. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's just, it is very unusual when both the United States and England, who are like the clear top two teams in this tournament, come in with Oh, oh, you, you disagree. Who, 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 who else do you think is, is, is on the list then? I think France has a shout in there with the coaching change. They seem to have new life in them, though, you know, some of their players are injured. So again, like unclear. Brazil also to some extent, though they've never really been able to sort of pull it out in a tournament. I think those are like the Brazil have wildly long odds. If you look at the odds, yeah, the, the bookmakers odds for this tournament, because they don't play a lot of defense, right? So like, <laughs> like I don't know how I don't think they fare well in tournament soccer, but you know they're super fun to watch. But I, I they they really impressed me at the at the she believes. So I I think they have a shout up there. France I think for me is is a big player. Those are like to me the top four. Maybe Sweden is always sort of like hanging out around there. Um, I don't think Spain really has a shout. Yeah, Spain Spain are the third favorite by bookmakers odds, which I I think is is incredibly weird. Yeah, okay. Uh I, I yeah, I don't I don't I don't really get it at all. I, like I don't even get like like I like why usually even if the if I disagree with a take, I can see how somebody gets there. I other than like sort of vaguely having heard of uh, Alex Patelis, like I I don't see how you get the argument that Spain should be the third favorite in this tournament. I mean, obviously, well, Pateas is like a question, right? Because she she's coming off an ACL and apparently yep. she hasn't really been training much, so it's unclear if she's even able to play. There's like so much sort of strife within the uh, there's a, you can Google it. There's like a lot of serious issues surrounding the federation. Yeah, the vibes there's are the vibes are really, really yeah. bad. I, I can't remember which list of players who like went on strike ended up making it back for the tournament. Um, when they play well, they're really great, but they've never been able to stay consistent enough to like get through to the tournament. So I, I do not agree with those odds. I think sweet, like, I think for me, sorry, we totally went on a tangent, but I think for me, it's like England, US, France, and maybe like Brazil or Sweden or, oh yeah, Germany's also a good shot. They were the runner up in the Euros. I, I don't know what their injury status is, but you know, they're always consistent and challenging. So one of those teams that's sort of in, in generational transition, yeah. right? They've got, 
pop still playing a lot of minutes at the top of the the the, the formation but then it's it's oberdorf yeah she's a, kind of a, a bossing midfield and she's like 21 she's, she's in her super second young. World Cup. yeah she's unreal so so with within this sort of like uh this 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 tier of teams you're looking at france england uh france england you know uh, maybe 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 sweden maybe brazil uh germany are, are there particular players that you're watching that you think like this is someone who could change the way this World Cup plays out for this team? That's interesting. I actually think I'm more fascinated by the teams that we that are like below that that might not make it out of the group mm. or they might not be major players. But like, I'm so excited to see like how they lead their team. Um, I think like okay. and those big players like those are, a lot of them are like pretty known quantities, right? Um, like they were maybe a factor in the last World Cup or like people sort of have who have followed European soccer even vaguely know the names of. I'm more curious about like Japan, which I guess is also like a, a team that could challenge. And Zambia, I'm like super curious about that one group that has like Japan, Spain, Zambia, and Costa Rica. That mm-hmm. group is like magical fascination to me. I'm so excited to see whatever happens there. Uh, so for me, I'm like more curious about those teams that are like Ireland, another team that I'm curious to see like how players sort of pull it out. They probably don't have much of a, they, maybe they'll make it out of the group stage, but they don't have much of a, like there's not really much of a pass forward after that. Like those are the teams that I'm actually more curious to watch. Yeah. I, I just check out the large majority of the Zambian team plays in the Zambian league. Zambia is the most vibes only team. I don't know. If I actually, when I was prepping for this, I just took a screenshot of the most recent results from Wikipedia because I needed to like bring them up today. Um, in the last year, all of their games have been like 5-2, and they're winning these games. Uh, like 4-0. I think there was like a 5-4 in the Olympics against the Netherlands. They they are just vibes only. They score a lot of goals. They cause a lot of chaos. Barbara Banda is like sort of their main figurehead. She's their striker. She plays in China, which like, you know, most other top players don't play there. Um, so people don't really see her. But when she comes to these international tournaments, she sort of balls out. So... Super excited to see that team. They also have other sort of like fairly unknown forwards who have also been sort of picking up the scoring, um, sort of helping rack up these massive scoring tallies. Um, every game they have, it's just like vibes only. Um, it's sort of curious to see what's going to happen because they had a, um, their like main keeper, like apparently is now injured, but there's like some questions as to whether she's actually injured, um, which might actually just increase the vibes only, um, playing. So, and, with the game, like, so I'm just really excited to see what happens with them. I don't know if they'll make it out of the group, though. Barbara Barbara Banda, if if people don't know, set a record at the last Olympics. She had back to back hat tricks in 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 the group stage, and you know, typically when somebody has a performance like that in in the women's game, you will see them at if not NWSL, WSL, or across some of the bigger teams in Europe, and like, nope, she's, uh, she's just doing her thing in China. Yeah, back in China. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how long that, pers- like, I, I think I was talking to Kim about it. Kim McCauley again, not to shout her out. But she's great. She should be, like, be on a higher stage, you know? So hopefully after this World Cup, she'll get her laurels and sort of see what she does next. But that team, I'm just so curious. I, I think, like, you know, they beat Germany in the warm-up, and Germany was actually playing close to their first their first lineup. They beat them 3-2 off of this, like, incredible goal in the last minute of extra time um i think they might be able to beat one of spain and and japan i don't know which one and i think if so then maybe they make it out of the group over one of them which 
would be wild, but I kind of hope it happens because I think it would be pretty cool. I'm, I'm now all in on Zambia. Just looking up. Apparently, one of their, they have another striker, uh, Rachel Kundanji. Yeah. Who <laughs> just this season came to uh, uh, La Liga and has scored 25 goals for like a mid table team. Yeah, it's why they were the team that like gave Barcelona their first team loss, their first club loss in like over a year. And I think she scored like a hat trick in that game or something. She scored in the game. I don't know what happened, but she's incredible too. So this team is like super, I think it's just going to be really fun to watch. I think if you stay up for any games, you should stay like, and you want to see goals, you should probably <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. No one knows where the goals are going to come from. If they're going to come from the other team or from Zambia, but like Zambia is my like must watch team. I guess we've also got in that, that, that sort of club of like players to watch at smaller teams. We've got Bunny Shaw at, J- at Jamaica as well, who is, um, she was second in the Golden Boot, boot Race, I think, in WSL. She, she leads the line for Manchester City. Um, you know, she's another one that sort of falls on this, this, this list of like good striker on a, uh, Manchester City weren't even that good a team this no, year. Were, um, okay. Yeah. And, and then sort of, you know, the, the iconic player for, for a, a smaller international team. Yeah, and they have a hard group. Yeah, it's Brazil, France, Jamaica, Panama. Yeah, that's it's a really, brutal. really hard, that's a brutal game. I'm actually going to be at the French-Jamaica game, so I'm, I'm curious to see sort of oh, cool. how they stack up. But yeah, I think it's one of those teams that they really got a bad, sort of a bad hand. Um, Brazil, and, Brazil and France in one group is brutal. <laughs> It's rough, yeah. So I was just um, eyeballing it. It seems to me that like if there's going to be a famous team that doesn't get through, and I mean, obviously, it's three games. Randomness can happen to anybody. But like Brazil and France being in the same group with Jamaica there as well, and Canada and Australia being in the same group and both sort of being somewhat on a downslope are probably the ones that are the most likely to yeah, I think, get upset. I think Group B is like the closest thing to a group of death, right? It's weird because this is an expanded tournament field. This is the first time they've done um, 32 teams. So no one really knows like how that last eight is going to super affect things. But I mean, arguably that group B, like all those teams maybe could have made it in a non-extended field. Um, someone like actually plotted out the ELOs uh, for all the teams in each group. And I think group B was the one where they had two teams that were close together and then a slight gap and then two teams that were right next to each other too. So just in terms of, you know, performance, they're very close. And honestly, I think, like, yeah. Ireland is kind of my sleeper pick from that group. I think that they can mm. – when they played the U.S., they were really impressive. And they play, like, the perfect tournament football, right? Like, they don't really care about scoring goals. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they care, but they – they like, that's not really their ethos. It's really just, like, good defensive um, effort and, like, destruction. I wouldn't be surprised if it was, like, Australia and Ireland that make it out of the group, honestly. Interesting. So actually, if you want goals and you're looking for 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 one 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 of the upset teams, you want Zambia. And if you want violence and you're looking for one of the lower level <laughs> exactly. teams, it's Ireland. <laughs> exactly. I think like someone is actually asking me like who I thought like Golden Boot shouts were, and I didn't name Sam Kerr in there because I think that that group is so like talent wise is so close to like sort of compressed and and also like the way a lot of those teams play that I don't know if she's gonna you know score like. A ton of team where it, it we're in like some other groups like I don't know maybe the U S plays Vietnam and uh, Sophia Smith scores five goals or something like sort of like what happened against I don't want to like evoke the Thailand vibes because yeah for a lot of reasons but like if that were to happen like I think there's other groups where that could happen too where like one t- like there's one team that's like clearly 
not as good as the other teams in the group and didn't, like all the players sort of score a bunch of goals against them. Um, I don't think that's going to happen in Group B. So, not to put you on the spot, but do you have any takes that you've? I mean, we already talked about how you get in trouble when 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 you bring when I when I brought up Alex Morgan. But do, do you do you have any takes coming into this World Cup that you think uh, get you in trouble or set you apart, perhaps from where common wisdom is going in, oh, man. or is it just sort of like, you know? It's hard. Like, I, I feel like it's always hard for us as, as data nerds doing this because our take that separates us is like, it's a tournament. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> like, like, it's like, I, do, I always feel uncomfortable even making predictions like in regular season when we have a real sample size. Here it's like, we don't have friendly data to like tell us anything about these teams in the last year unless you know you work for me, like you have access to these platforms. I don't. So I don't have data to make get ideas from i only have like super basic stats like goals basically i just have goals and um yeah and it's friendly so everything is vibes anyways so i I don't know if i have any like super spicy takes i think my most spicy one was that i didn't think canada was going to make it out of the group um but i think i sort of already implied that um i'd be surprised uh if i wouldn't be surprised if they do but i would also not be surprised if they if they don't just the way they've been playing um I think that's like my spiciest take. I don't know. Do you have any spicy takes? I, I don't have any spicy takes. My spicy take is I I, I don't know. It's a tournament. Like, yeah, that, that's like, literally that's... like how I feel. Is like it, anything can happen. I guess Portugal is in the U.S. group, and I think that they're like fairly underrated. It was actually a surprise because I was looking at their record last night, and I thought it would be a lot better than how my vibes felt about them. I just remember when they played the U.S. Every time they played the U.S., it's like. Like, they put on a really <laughs> tough performance. And I thought that they had maybe almost made it out of the group at the Euros. And then I looked at the score and I was like, oh, they, no, they, they didn't. They did but not. I thought that they, I, I actually, like, when I was looking at the group, I thought that they might have had a better shot over the Netherlands of making it out of. They were the last qualifier from Europe. Um, they, they went to the intercontinental playoff and stuff. No, I think Portugal is, like, clearly, was clearly the best of that last group um and you know i think they're pretty good and they have like some pretty dynamic forwards who can who can score goals so i'm sort of curious to see how they do and if they make it out over the netherlands i wouldn't be surprised that's a that's a good one yeah i feel like the spicy take like covering especially like international women's tournaments and with a u.s focus because the u.s expectation is that you win the world cup and there's always a good chance, no matter how incredible you are, that you don't win the World Cup. And the, 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 the U.S. record in actually doing this is is quite incredible. And, like, the spicy take is just, like, it's quite likely they won't. Because yeah, that's just how, that's all just these, how all, this always works. How it works. Like, like, I think even the players have said it is, like, in 2019, they really made it through most of those games, like, sort of on luck, right? Just, like, VAR decisions or, like, a last-second penalty. And, you know, that doesn't always happen. So... If they don't win, like, to me, it's not a loss. Like, it's really, really hard. Tournament football is hard. It's mostly luck. And you only have 90 minutes to figure it out. So, I mean, I hope they win, obviously. Like, I came all the way here, and it would be cool to watch them in a final. But, <laughs> like, I I understand, like, how this works. I, I will say, like, I, this is maybe not the point of the podcast. I'm not looking forward to the discourse if that doesn't happen. And I think that is something that really... It always gets pretty tense going into yeah. these World Cups for for the U.S. women's fans, um, and I 
would say that if England wasn't so hurt, I would feel a lot worse about where the U.S. are right now. Um, but I don't know. I feel like every four years we do this where we go into the World Cup with the, the, the women being favorites and sort of like talk ourselves into doom and gloom as a fan base because they aren't as good as their imagined past. But like, I, I was there in 2019. I was there in 2015 when everybody was losing their minds over Abby Wambach. And I don't think like, I, I, I think the vibes around this right now are better than the vibes going into the last two instances. That's fascinating because I will say as someone who has been very adjacent from the space for many years, like essentially was like a tournament watcher and like didn't really care about the follow-up. And I was, I was definitely not online. So I didn't see the discourse. Um, yeah, this has been terrible. So <laughs> like I just support, support, never support a good team. It's just a classic mistake. <laughs> it's just very frustrating when the underlying reality looks really really good or like it looks fine and then to see the discourse on top of it that doesn't match like what the reality seems to be is just like it's a lot of cognitive dissonance yeah so i I think one other thing here that we as we've been walking through these takes is that there is very limited good data on these te- on these teams in international soccer already working with really limited good data because all you have in the lead up to the tournament when these teams are putting their rosters together are friendlies which are already problematic and on top of that we have much more limited data for women's international soccer than we do for men's international soccer and so one thing I'm excited about with this tournament and with your coverage of it is that we're going to be learning things about these teams, both just tactically. We don't know exactly who's going to play where. Like, exactly what England is going to look like is something we're going to learn as the games kick off. And this is true of a number of really big teams. There's questions with the U.S. And then on top of that, while we're seeing it, we're also actually going to be getting higher quality data in. And so, like, I think I think we're going to be more than usual, learning a lot through the early games of this World Cup. Yeah, I'm super excited. I know you're not supposed to, like, take stock in, like, single-game XG or, like, you know, stats for international, but I'm choosing to mostly suspend my, like, mathematical knowledge for this tournament because it'll be more fun that way. Um, And also, there's just more to talk about then. There is actually, like, some fairly significant data that's going to be up because FB Ref will be, um, you know, doing their thing, which is good data. It won't be game game aggregates really, for the most part, but, you know, that's helpful. Um, ASA will knock on wood, have data. Um, so I'll be posting, you know, past networks and race plots and some passing stats um, and anything else that people want to see. Um, so that'll help. Uh, Opta obviously puts up sort of stuff after the game, like the analyst um, and, you know, stats bomb as well. So there is going to be some advanced data and I'm excited and I hope it provides a platform for some of these players that no one knows about to like um get their laurels like i'm, I'm very excited um to sort of see how that comes to play too yeah i'm really i'm really looking forward to it um i already told my kid that he can uh, stay up super late on friday night to watch the uh, usa vietnam game so he's super into it really excited nice i'm glad that they scheduled it at a time that's not like 3 a.m for y'all um I will say, like, the FIFA, exactly I will that. give it to the FIFA scheduling gods. They they definitely, like, did the right thing. Does that mean that the kickoff game is at 8 p.m. in Sydney 
Yes. I, also, it, it's winter in Sydney, so the sun is setting at 5 o'clock. So, 8 p.m. kickoff is, like, actually very confusing. But it's 11 a.m. in Ireland, so, like, they'll be able to, to watch. So, I'm glad that they, they did that so that people can sort of watch their teams, even if it means 8 p.m. kickoff. That's that's late for my jet-lagged self. It's fine. It's only the third U.S. game that, that is, yeah. like, a... But it, you know, depending on how the Netherlands game shakes out, that actually might be a, end up being a pretty consequential. I think, I think yeah, like could, Portugal and Netherlands, <laughs> Portugal, Portugal and Netherlands play f- bef- they're they're each other's first game. I think so. I think that game is actually going to be super telling as to what is going to happen with the U.S. Um, like, I don't think we're going to learn a lot. Respectfully, like, I don't know a lot about the Vietnamese national team, so I don't want to like. <laughs> speak much i was just looking at the recent results um yeah i i don't think we're gonna get a lot out of that game so um the other group game will be really telling i think that makes a lot of sense and so ariel will be back with you from australia and new zealand with more podcasts kaylee and i will be doing our usual thing and uh you can find us all on the Discord. Make sure you, you know, do your usual questions for us, but make sure you get some questions for Ariel as well, who will be on the ground as our women's soccer representative in the Southern Hemisphere. Thank you so much for doing this. We're really excited to have this kicking off. Yeah, I'm really excited too. I hope I could do it justice. Oh, thank you so much. We are, yeah, very excited, very excited to hear it. And uh, hope you, uh, you know, figure out when days and nights are at some point i'm sure it'll come together yeah i'm about to cave and drink some caffeine i made it two days but it's time it is time (laughs) all right we'll be back later this week next week all of the times cheers y'all cheers